Full Service Radio is supported by Compass, the future of real estate in the metro D.C. area and beyond. Discover more at compass.com. Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit simplecast.com. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. I live, work, and love beer here in D.C. During my time in culinary school, I gained an appreciation for good beer and continued my studies in grad school at NYU. Since then, I've been a beer director, beer consultant, beer bar general manager, And I get to continue to explore the beer world with all of you wonderful listeners. Every week, I will have a different guest from a different part of the beer world, from brewers, importers, bartenders, educators, to help us explore this fascinating and dynamic world. Whether you are new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. Today, on this beautiful Monday morning, I am joined by Brett Robison, uh, the future GM and COO of Silver Branch, uh, slated to open in Silver Spring. Brett, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I'm uh, pretty excited to be here. Nice. Uh, so give me a little 411 on uh, who you are, a little elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm a beer nerd, mm-hmm. like most. Uh, basically, I started homebrewing when I was, we'll say, 21. Uh, and from there I just kind of fell in love with it and realized that I wanted to make beer my career, uh, got a job working at a brew pub. And then from there decided that, you know, I was kind of doing the bartending thing and working in the brew house, decided that the front end of the business was a little bit more my style. So I went down that road, um, continued to bartend, started working in DC, uh, managing beer programs, et cetera, and then became the bar manager at Republic and uh, have been studying ever since. Awesome. And that is Republic in Tacoma Park, Maryland, um, a mainstay, I feel, in the, in the beer world. Um, so this week, we had an opening day for most uh, baseball fans, I believe. Uh, we've got Nanat Stadium, I think, are hosting the Mets on uh, the 5th. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about beer in Nat Stadium. Um, we saw last year um, a decent number of local uh, producers represented. Three Stars, DC Brow, Atlas, Mad Fox, Old Ox, uh, and Devil's Backbone. In fact, I think this year they're having an entire bar dedicated to Devil's Backbone. Um, what do you think about the offerings at Nats Park? 
I think the offerings in general are pretty good. I've, every time I've gone there, I've been able to get myself a beer that I'm really happy with in that particular moment. Um, you know, weather depending. Mm-hmm. On the hotter days, I really like uh, something like a wit beer. Um, it's just, you know, infinitely refreshing, flavorful. Kind of tastes like you're, <laughs> I know this sounds ridiculous, but it just seems so fitting with the sunshine. Uh, you know, I also, I'm happy to hear that they're doing Devil's Backbone because I really like the Vienna Lager. I mm-hmm. think that's just, you know, infinitely drinkable. And when I'm in heat, a little bit more um, malt can also be really beneficial. I, I like that a lot. You know, I'm, I'm not as inclined to go for a super hop forward beer in that setting. Yeah. So... Now, if you could, if you could have any beer in the world to uh, sit and enjoy a baseball game in the sun, what would you do? I mean, it's hard for me to get past the idea of Allagash White. Yeah. I have so many fond memories of uh, drinking that beer in that setting, and you know, beer is very much connected to nostalgia. So for me, it's you know, a nice whip beer like that, um, or even a Bell's Oberon would be really good too. Nice. Yeah. No, I can get behind both of those at a ballpark for sure. Yeah. You know, just like wheat beers in general, I think are good for me in that setting. Yeah. I believe, uh, actually devil's backbone, uh, made a beer specially for Nat stadium earned run ale. And it's going to be a golden pale ale. So I feel like that should probably go over pretty well. Yeah. Very snazzy cans that they've designed. (laughs) Good for them. Uh, so while I'm kind of quizzing you on beer styles here, um, I'm doing this because you are a uh, advanced Cicerone, um, one of the only in the area, I believe. Um, I believe, right? One of yeah. the only in, in the D.C. area? Yeah, or? there's a, a buddy of mine, Mike Reinitz, uh, who works for Premium, is, is also one. But I think we're, we're the only two at this point. Wow. It's open season. Uh, so <laughs> we, uh, we had a show previously all about the Cicerone exam. I had two, uh, people who had the certified Cicerone and one who went for the advance, but did fail it. Um, not trying to recreate that show again. However, uh, for you, has it been worth it to have that certification level? Yeah, for me, I've always been somebody who, uh, likes challenging myself. And so the, disti- the, the sort of distinctive line is, the certified level, I think, is a good level to obtain professionally. Mm-hmm. I think anything beyond that requires enough of your soul <laughs> <laughs> and and enough like time and dedication that it's the more time that goes by, the more relevant the designation becomes. Mm-hmm. But I think to get into those upper levels, you really have to just love studying and love learning about beer uh, in order to do it. Because I don't think, you know, it's such a humongous time requirement. Yeah. How long did it take you to study for the, for the, certif- or for the advanced? So to give you an idea, I think I probably clocked somewhere around 20 hours a week for like eight or nine months straight. Wow. So it's, that's what I'm saying. It's like... It's a massive commitment. Yeah. And if, you know, on and off, sometimes more, sometimes less, but... It's, it's a ton to get through. It's a, uh, you know, and I actually, I took the master Cicerone exam and did not pass that one. Oh, wow. Um, and that was, it was, it was appropriately humbling. <laughs> <laughs> as, yeah, as it should be. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. hey, congratulations for trying. That's a, that's a huge accomplishment in and of itself. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, so huh. with the knowledge that you had, you were the GM at a Republic in Tacoma Park. 
And you developed, and I find this really fascinating, you developed a draft list that was uh, beers that were 100% self-distributed. Yeah. Okay. Can you talk us through, one, what that means for a lot of our listeners who may be new to beer, but also why? Sure. So it ties to uh, a couple of different things, but I worked for Black Restaurant Group uh, for a long time. They had a fundamental principle of going and making relationships with the purveyors that and they buy is, from. Sorry, this is the restaurant group that owns. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Owns Republic and Tacoma Park. Yeah. Okay. So um, that's just the way that like uh, Jeff Black has always done business is he gets, he goes and finds the farm and says, okay, I want to get to know these people. You know, it's sort mm-hmm. of like, uh, being able to touch the ground kind of thing, like say I have relationships with the seafood purveyors that we buy from, you know, I know that their operation is clean and really good. And so I just carried that principle over to the beer buying process. And given the sort of, uh, situation in Montgomery County, there were a lot of new brewers coming onto the scene that, I had two, basically two options. They could either distribute through the DLC, which is the um, government entity in Montgomery County, or they could self-distribute. And they felt like, well, we're small. We don't have a ton of distribution, so we want to work very hand-in-hand with the people that we work with. So it just kind of naturally flowed into what was already an existing business principle that I learned from working for that restaurant group into, okay, let's form that into beer buying. And so... I just got in the habit of saying, cool, we're going to go buy beer from these people. First thing I have to do is go check out their brewery, check out their operation. And that's actually um, through that process is how I met my uh, current business partner, Christian Lakey, um, who's opening Silver Branch with me. He uh, invited me to come, uh, you know, check out his operation when he worked for Gordon Beer at Rockville. And we drank a bunch of beer together and kind of just talked life and business and so he did uh we did some self-distribution with him actually um and that's how we formed our relationship however many years ago so now okay so for those of you that aren't familiar self-distribution means you are buying the beer directly from the brewery they are not going through any other parties they are getting that beer directly to the bar restaurant store uh it's very labor intensive Um, It requires the brewery typically, you know, to have somebody who can do deliveries um, or (laughs) they are having somebody who doesn't have enough time anyways to do deliveries. Um, Now, you had mentioned that uh, Montgomery County has a particular way that they distribute alcohol. Can you kind of explain that a little bit? Yeah, so it's a unique setup in that... uh, Basically, everything in Montgomery County, you know, in a normal setting, you have your three tiers. You have your brewer, you have your distributor, and you have your retailer. Mm -hmm. In Montgomery County, they serve as the distributor instead of a conventional, you know, like premium or hop and wine or anything like that. So they are kind of the only game in town in a sense. So the actual government itself is the distributor. That's correct. Okay. So warehouse, trucks, everything like that. Uh, And so for a lot of smaller brands they felt like it would be important to self-distribute and so i have a long history with uh denizens actually Mm -hmm. you know republic that law went into effect july 1st 2014 so a bit of history republic was the first place to ever carry self-distributed beer in montgomery county and then it was sort of a landslide from there so once we were able to do it which um julie from denizens was really instrumental in setting that up 
and uh, I just was able to kind of tag on to that. Uh, then it was like, okay, now we have this as an option. Let's make this our goal. Let's make this our goal to work with every brewery that we can buy direct from so that we can have that relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so it's from the brewer's end, it's more work to self distribute, definitely. But from the buyer's end, it was really meaningful because I got to make friends with all of the owners of breweries. And even uh, at one time, you know, we helped bring in breweries from DC that were self distributing into Montgomery County. And so I don't think it was the intent, but Republic sort of morphed into this springboard establishment where, you know, in some ways it means a brewery is really successful if they're not selling beer there anymore because they've grown up and they're now bigger than that. And that's sort of the ethos of Republic is like, hey, like we're going to take on these small brands. We're going to develop these relationships with these formative breweries Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, kind of take it from there. So. What are some of the favorite breweries that you've, you know, worked with or breweries that you were really excited to see kind of grow up? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to pick a favorite. I'm just saying, you know, what's one that you were like really, you know, happy about? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, for me, it's like there's a couple of different ones. So mm-hmm. I got to work with Brewer's Art and mm-hmm. I always I was like a Brewer's Art fanboy from like way this is back. Brewer's Art in Baltimore. Yeah. Okay. And so they um, self-distributed to us. So that was just fun for me because I got to you know go from just being like a uh like I said like a fanboy to being able to like work directly with them and now you know I know Volker really well and so they're great guys to work with um I also enjoyed working with Manor Hill a lot Mm -hmm. um we actually have a collaboration beer coming out with them on Friday oh really yeah so we're doing a uh we did a New England IPA uh Mm -hmm. it's called Convergent Worlds Volume 1 Okay. Uh, it's part of a series that we're going to do of a bunch of different uh, collaboration releases. Um, I had a lot of fun working with uh, Nathan over at Right Proper. I love those guys, you know. Um, and of course, so much history with Denizens. They were the first um, and super close. So it was kind of like just a very like symbiotic um, relationship, you know. So I don't know. I had a lot of people that I liked working with. I liked working with the guys at Hellbender. Mm-hmm. Um, they're awesome. Uh, so. I don't know. Yeah. I have a lot of really good memories. So much so that I'm am now motivated to open open a brewery with my partner, you know? Do your own like brewery, do your own thing. Yeah. Well, um, we're gonna take a quick break and then I wanna talk about all about this new brewery that you all are opening in uh, Silver Spring. Okay. Welcome back to Beer Me. We are recording live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm joined here on this beautiful Monday morning with Brett Robison. Uh, He is the former general manager at Republic in Tacoma Park, Maryland. Uh, And 
he will be opening a new brewery, Silver Branch, uh, in Silver Spring with his partner Christian Lakey. Uh, very, very exciting to see another brewery coming to Silver Spring. So what are you all going to be doing? What kind of beers? Well, one of the foundational elements of our whole concept is uh, drawing in from the four major brewing cultures, which you know includes um, the UK, uh, Central Europe, Belgium, and America. So uh, our four flagships are going to represent all of those in one way or another. Uh, we're going to do a Czech-style Pilsner, mm-hmm. a Belgian wit beer, an American IPA, and a tropical stout. Nice. Yeah. So, all right. So for people who may not be familiar, tropical stout, explain that one a little bit. So tropical stout's kind of a unique beer. Um, it basically harkens back to uh, brewers that were opening breweries in um, African and Caribbean countries. Uh, and globalization one, wasn't what it is now. And so purchasing uh, malt and certain raw ingredients were pretty expensive to ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the way that they would achieve a higher level of alcohol was by incorporating some uh, raw forms of sugar. So like turbinado, demerara, things of that nature. Things very readily available in those countries. Exactly. Already used, you know, for the rum production. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was kind of like, you know, and that's, I mean, that's fundamentally what, what beer through time has been up until really recently is, okay, this is what you have available. Make this beer with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, Sometimes they're fermented with lager yeast. Um, you know, I don't think that's a strict uh, thing that you have to do. But f- on taste, what's really nice about them is they have this like sort of like rummy, fudgy quality, and they're infinitely drinkable even in hot weather. So it's yeah, sort it's of a lower ABV, correct? Um, no, it's a little. It's like it's like ours will be like six and a half. Okay. So it'll yeah. it'll have some oomph to it. Mm-hmm. Six and a half, seven, somewhere in that range. Um, but, yeah, they're just really refreshing beers, uh, even though they're dark. And they're sort of like a foreign export, but with the edge taken off. Okay. So they feel to me like a little bit softer and a little bit more drinkable. But it's fun, you know. It's yeah. just it's when, it's when you look at the be- my long life goal mm-hmm. is that uh, someday if we get enough distribution or we grow to that size, then that'll be a good example in the BJCP guidelines of what a tropical stout is because they're so hard to get around here. Yeah, you don't, you don't see it that often. I mean, you, that's, and this is why I asked, you know, you've got wit beer. I believe that people are fairly familiar with that. Um, you know, Czech style Pilsner. I feel like people, you know, see that around. But yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh, all right, let's get a little more texture on that so um as far as the brewery itself it's in silver spring um you got some neighbors though correct you got denizens yeah um are you worried about having too many breweries in one particular area no actually uh denizens and then also astrolabs Mm -hmm. opening up and uh we're just apparently all over the collaboration game because we just released one last Friday with those guys, um, sort of a three-way Silver Spring collaboration called Extra, 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 which was a uh, pale ale that we did. Um, so big ups to Jeff over at Denizens for making a really nice beer. Um, but we see it as sort of like what Loudon has capitalized on. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a really good job uh, saying, hey, this is the beer trail. Come out for a day, you know, like there's not one, but multiple breweries for you to check out. So we are thinking that the same thing is going to happen in Silver Spring. If you look at it on a map, you could actually walk from each brewery. And now that Quarry House is back open again, 
we're pretty excited because we're hoping that uh, beer lovers everywhere are going to start to associate Silver Spring with being a beer destination. You know, that's like a really compelling reason to go to Silver Spring on a Saturday or Sunday is like, hey, I have three different breweries and a really awesome bar that I can check out. Um, so, and Hey, if it's a walkable tour, that's, it's a lot safer. <laughs> that is very safe. Well, yeah, you can get off the Metro yeah. and be inside of our space within, I think like three minutes if you get off on the side with the, the same side as the stairs. So nice. There you go. Yeah. Much safer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so is this going to, is this going to be a larger facility or? Yeah. So we're uh, going to be right around 10,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are going to have somewhere on the order of 4,000 uh, in taproom space uh, and about 6,000 in production space. And then we'll have a beer garden as well. Nice. Outdoor, indoor? The beer garden will be out on a plaza mm-hmm. and then the rest of the taproom space will be inside. Nice. So you guys are like basically trying to create like a little Bromberg Germany where you can just kind of like walk, <laughs> walk around to all the different uh, breweries and, you know, have this very idyllic uh, beer garden scene. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. And that's a lot of what we draw our influence from is both uh, my business partner and myself. We have different experiences traveling to um, Europe and as much as we nerd out on beer, mm-hmm. for us, it's so much about the experience associated with it and sharing a beer with a friend and what that uh, encompasses. So one of our major, uh, I don't know what you call it, like brand, tagline, motto, uh, is experience Gemütlichkeit, okay. which is a German word for this sort of ethereal sense of kindness, coziness, warmth, sort of almost like cheers, but like a la beer garden style. Okay. That's a, yeah, that's a great line. Can you you do it one more time? Yeah, Gemütlichkeit. Nice. All right. (laughs) I can, it's like kindness, kindness and warmth right there. Yeah, people are going (laughs) to ask us about it all the time. You know, and the first time we were going over the branding part, Mm -hmm. because Christian and I have spent a lot of time sitting in his house, (laughs) going back and forth on branding. And at first I was like, man, that's a crazy word. And then I was like, actually, that's something that, can really make us stand out and he was super adamant about keeping it and I was like you know I was hesitant at first but I was like you know what you're right like this is amazing like I think once people get what that conveys and what it means they're really going to gravitate towards it yeah oh that sounds lovely put that on (laughs) t-shirt um and I also understand that you are going to have uh, a cask program which for me I'm very very excited about um, but for listeners that are not too familiar with what a cask is, you want to give them a little quick rundown? Sure. Uh, so we're going to work towards the uh, standards of real ale, which mm-hmm. uh, means naturally carbonated um, and not served with you know any pumps or dispense or anything, uh, basically pulled through a vacuum uh, in a beer engine. And what it is is it's oftentimes um, a more nuanced style of beer, it's I call it like living beer. All beer is living in a sense, but this stuff is living like by the second. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's really exciting for me. It's more conventional to be served um, in various parts of the UK. Uh, you don't see as much of it here, but it's really just like lower alcohol, highly sessionable pub beers that are just, they're not trying to be overly aggressive or in your face. And that's the beauty of them is 
because they're a little bit gentler, they have a softer mouthfeel, they're not as highly carbonated. They're just really nice to like sit around and drink. And you can have like two or three because they're not, you know, seven or eight percent. No. Um, so they're, they're really, they're beers that are conducive to hanging out with friends and having conversation. Yeah. And the, the beauty is, I mean, the beers themselves, they are traditionally served at a slightly warmer temperature. You don't have a lot of carbonation. Um, and for that, you have a lot of really, with that higher temperature, you have a great uh, aroma. A lot of aromas are released. And because the cask itself uh, continues its second fermentation in the cask, it morphs and changes. So from, you know, if you try it on a Tuesday and then you try it on a Thursday, uh, for me, it is, there are some differences. It continues to kind of morph and, you know, move around a little. And it's, it's a, also, I think, a good representation of a brewer's skill. Uh, there's nothing to hide behind um, in those casks. You can't put a ton of hops in there. There's not, you know, a lot of, you know, alcohol to hide behind any mistakes or anything like that. It's a very clean, simple beer. Um, and, you know, a well-made cask and a well-served cask is really important. My greatest hope is that there's, uh, you know, regulars that come in and drink the same beer one hour apart and argue with each other for other over which one was better (laughs) you know like the nuances of how it changes from hour to hour you know that's 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 the subliminal part of real ale for me is like oh noticing that you know so yeah i'm super excited yeah that would be really really awesome i think you know the other part of cask ale is you know proper service um i was the gm at burton barley church key for two years and we had uh five cask engines and i will tell you the upkeep uh, for those is uh, difficult. You have to really, really maintain cleanliness um, and you know, making sure that your servers know how to pull uh, the beer properly. Um, and then also making sure that they're selling it properly, making sure that the guest knows what they're getting themselves into. Um, because otherwise, you know, if you just order a blind and you have no idea what a cascale is, at first brush, you think, okay, this is a slightly flat, slightly warm beer. And, you know, you kind of have to get people ready for that. Uh, so I imagine as, you know, you're going to be the GM and COO of this establishment, you're going to have to do a, a decent amount of training with a lot of your staff. Yeah, and that's actually where a lot of the value from the Cicerone program comes in because mm-hmm. it gives you a good foundation and a springboard uh, for communicating a lot of this information and we're super adamant about uh using that as a resource for our own hiring and staffing purposes but in the grand scheme of things yeah this bar will require a true sellerman of sorts uh you know so that'll be me (laughs) (laughs) until things grow to a certain point yeah right but eventually that's that's what we'll we'll need it's it's something where even just uh, because we're going to do it on a rack and we're, you know, you need to be tapping your next cask before your the one that you've got on tap is even done because you need to give it time to vent and to breathe. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot of work, but I think it's going to be work that people will take ownership over and mm-hmm. be really excited to talk about. And that's my idea is, you know, 
by really going at it and making it a program that we want to do and we want to serve and doing it right is going to make it really compelling for guests that come in. It's, you know, the, the engines are going to be on the center of the bar. Yeah. Um, so we They'll want, be right in the middle. You got to, you you'll, cannot you'll miss see it. it. You got to ask questions about it. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so when are you all slated to open? Late 2018. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you Is know, it it's ever just changing. <laughs> hey, at the line hotel, we're also familiar with this as well. So <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I just, the, I like to say it's the balance of viewpoint, neither the conservative or mm-hmm. the, um, aggressive one. I will be super happy to open inside this year, mm-hmm. but you know, construction and other things. Permits. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it, it always happens. Sooner is better. All right. <laughs> so we're, we're itching to get out there. Very cool. And real quick, uh, what does the name Silver Branch come from? So this is uh, pretty interesting, obviously, being in Silver Spring, so mm-hmm. hence the silver. But uh, the branch component ties back to old English and German tradition of setting out a branch in front of an establishment, which was a signal to passerby that we have beer available for sale. Uh, so it's a way of us communicating the hospitality element of what we're going to do at Silver Branch. It's like saying, welcome, we're open, come in, have a beer. Uh, That's the main kind of idea there. Um, And then the connection to Silver is just because, you know, we're in Silver Spring. Uh, Christian lives in Tacoma Park. I live Mm -hmm. in Silver Spring. We're local guys. We've been there for a while. So it's important to us to communicate that. Yeah, sense of community. Yeah. That kind of thing. That's what we're all about. You have so many like warm, happy little ethos for your brewery. This is such a, this is such a good start. <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, in the early stages of figuring out who we wanted to be, mm-hmm. oftentimes you figure out who you don't want to be. Yes. And then you build from that. And the reality is, is Christian and I are, I like to think that we're friendly guys that really just want to have people come in and You know, there's a whole debate in the world of beer right now about families and kids at breweries, and we're like, bring it on. Like, we want that warm community feeling. We want people coming in. You know, we want people to feel comfortable. We don't, it's, we're not meant to be like edgy in your face, like, how dare you not know? We're like, welcome. Like, if you know nothing, you're still going to have a great time. And if you want to go down the rabbit hole of, education and get into the dynamics of this specific beer we'll go there with you but that's not our first blush you know our 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 kind of first blush is hey let's have a beer let's be relaxed nice well thank you again for coming in uh it was wonderful to talk to you keep an eye out everybody for silver branch in silver spring um otherwise you know go up there anyways and poke around at all these fun breweries you can walk to um This has been Beer Me. We record live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan in Washington, D.C. Check us out at fullserviceradio.org, beerme.fullserviceradio.org. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info 
at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.